Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, Ray. Interesting aspects. Cowboys, Niners. You put together three. What do you think are the three most interesting things about this meeting on Sunday? One, what the 49ers do with the Dallas running backs because if Dallas can't get anything from Tony Pollard they might not get anything from Elliott either and if Dallas can't run it's a festival in the in the Cowboys backfield so that's the first thing I want to see is what the Cowboys can do on the ground I'm a lot more concerned about Pollard if I'm D'Amico Ryans than I am Zeke Elliott I just I am I I Zeke Zeke is the kind of guy that I think fares poorly against this defensive line. This line clogs a hole, and he doesn't move clogged holes like he used to, where you can get around the edge on the 49ers at times if it's not set. And that's what Pollard does. So Pollard is the guy I'm worried about more than Ezekiel Elliott. But I, well, the thing that I took away from talking with um, Brian Baldinger is that Elliott is a more effective guy helping block for Prescott. Isn't that a little bit of a tell? Like if you see one guy in the game, you, you know that's probably they're, they're dropping back here if, if Zeke is in there. Well, it depends on down and distance, like Baldinger said. If it's a short yardage situation, I think they'd be perfectly happy going giving the ball to Elliott. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to bust a run anymore. I mean, I think he's been used up in a lot of ways by the, the love affair Jerry Jones had with him earlier in his career. But I think there's a place for him, and he's sort of a a super Kyle Juszczyk in that way. He's more, almost more of a modified fullback, but he's got better wiggle than your than your average fullback. So I, to me, a lot of what Dallas is going to try to do is going to be predicated on whether they can run. Dallas's backfield number one, number two, number two is. How effective Dallas's secondary is in making it hard for Brock Purdy to be comfortable. I think because he can see the field, he can process stuff quickly, but Dallas's secondary is good enough that they've got guys who can stay with Ayuk and Samuel and to a lesser extent Kittle. And if they can make him have to make more decisions in the pocket, than he'll have time for, I think that can change the game. Um, because I think the wild card about Purdy is not, 
Is he all of a sudden, is the moment going to be too big? No, I think it's a simple matter of football. If they make it hard for him to be able to throw in, in tight spots, then he becomes a different quarterback because the big issue with him at Iowa State was always he didn't have the arm strength to hit a cr- guy in a crowd. And that was it wasn't that he couldn't throw the ball far. It was that he could throw it accurately with steam on shorter routes. And we haven't seen enough of him to be able to say, oh, he's got that solved. I mean, I, I think I've seen enough balls delivered in the middle of the field in tight windows to think maybe that scouting report was a little inaccurate. I mean, I, 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 I've been – again, I'm, I'm looking for reasons to to doubt Brock Purdy. I, I, it's not through rose-tinted glasses that I'm looking at this through either. I can't find it. I can't find a reason to think – he will be definitely the reason why this weekend doesn't happen. Like, to me, Mooney Ward is more likely to be at the center of this game going the wrong way than Brock Purdy. Oh, I don't... Yeah, See, I don't sit there and think, oh, my God, all of a sudden he's going to remember he was a seventh-round draft choice and just, like... I shouldn't be here! Vomit down it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's the issue. I think it's more Ken Dallas, which is not a bad defense at all. You know, if you look at statistics, they're they're top five, top six. Whether they can they can be that on the road against maybe the most dynamic offense they've faced all year, with the single exception of the Eagles, and that to me is you know, if they can't do that, then the 49ers will get to run the ball all day long, which is what they love to do anyway. They'll get the ball for 37 minutes. They'll have the ball for 75 plays, and it will be a boat race. I think it's largely the the nature of this game will be defined more by what Dallas can do than what the 49ers can do because Dallas has to be able to do all those things really well for them to win. Right. The I Niners think their margin their margin for error is much tighter than San Francisco's. I believe I I think you're right. I think the Niners just are and we know what they are. And they are that consistently enough to have the thermostat of this game dialed to, I believe the 49ers will do what they do. What is Dallas going to do about that? How do they execute? Goes a long, long way, obviously, to decide this one. I mean, I guess it's not really great analysis. How the opponent plays will go a long way to dictate how this game goes. But there there is something to it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, because the 49ers have had so little trouble establishing what they like to do, if they can do what they like to do, they're a pretty prohibitive favorite, which is why I think what can Dallas do to make them uncomfortable? And the third thing is, weirdly enough, wind. Is it going to be breezy on Sunday? Is the kicking game going to be wobbly? Because I don't think Brett Maher is a bad kicker, but he had a bad week and he's had to think about it all week. So if it's windy and he's got to kick a 40-yarder in the first half, you know, he's got to make that. Otherwise, they're going to have to start going for two basically every time they score. And the the, the the thing about that is Dallas needs to have a clear edge somewhere. And their best chance at having that edge, I think, is special teams. If Marr misses his first field goal or point after touchdown, game on. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, like- you won't see him again. You might not. What do you make anything? By the way, this is not just a this game question. 
It also applies to the Eagles because I think it might have started with questions about their kicker. That placeholders are using like a, a marker on the field to help kickers get their bearings. And this has been decided by NFL officials as outside of the boundary of the rules of what you can do. And I guess Marr was asked to pick up a blade of grass that maybe is being placed on the field just to give sort of a, a, a lineup marker. I, 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 I briefly read the story about Fugazi foreign objects being put on the field by placeholders in the kicking game and that this applies to Philadelphia and possibly applied to the awful performance last week in Tampa by Marr. And to me, placing a blade of grass on the field, I, I don't see that as a foreign object. Like This, this story is not making sense to me yet. It, it's much ado about almost nothing. What Marr's problem was just in the swing of his leg. It just, he, it wasn't, and I read, I didn't see this myself because I'm not an expert, but people- Break I down saw, the NFL I kicking. Saw a story, yeah, I saw a story that basically said that his his approach was the same every time, but his leg swing was different. It wasn't, it wasn't grooved the way a good kicker's leg swing is grooved. And that's the thing that they thought was the problem because the week before that, and for most of the year, He's been hitting it right down the fairway. But that's apparently what this painted blade of grass represents. This is now your kicking plane. You kick through this plane, and ball should go through those uprights. So I don't know what to really make of yeah, it or not. I, I think it's probably going to end up being not much of anything because I think Brett Maher is too good a kicker to suddenly melt down and turn into, into a Steve Sachs or Chuck Knobloch. But I think... If it's a windy day, he could hit the, he could hit the ball true and still miss. And no matter how he misses, if he does miss, I could easily see Mike McCarthy going, "Well, we're going for two on every score from now on, and we are not kicking field goals, even if we're you know on a fourth and eight at the forty-one." True or false? Probably not. No, no, no. I'm, I'm you didn't let me ask the question. <laughs> I know, but I just wanted to save you some time. True or false? We're going to know who's going to win this game at, at halftime. I th- I'm going to th- say false, although it's an appealing notion. And the reason, and I all, I almost mentioned this as one of the, the three things that I, I was going to get to, um, because the only way that Dallas wins, in my mind, is if they're up 17-3 at half. But I don't think that's automatic. I think if the 49ers up 17-3 at halftime, yeah. Good night, Back Irene. at the kids, you know, it's time to go home. But if the Cowboys are, I still would make the 49ers a, like a, a 40% chance of coming back and winning the game. By the way, speaking of ticket prices, I don't think anybody's necessarily going to be walking out of this, uh, this game. I saw Jennifer Lee Chan... Vivid Seats not only tracks ticket prices, which this weekend, the average price is $564 a seat. Um, The 2019 NFC uh, Championship game was $556 per seat. So this is the most expensive ticket ever offered for a game at Levi's Stadium. Look at it this way. This is the most expensive ticket sold at Levi's Stadium since Taylor Swift was in town, I believe. So there you go. Um the Dallas Cowboys are going to represent, apparently, according to Vivid, which tracks 
where your purchases on their site come from. Uh, 74%, obviously, 49er fans in that building. 26% Dallas fans. I wouldn't be surprised because there's a lot of Dallas fans who do live in California. That is a, you know, well-to-do for the most part. I mean, look at it this way. If oil money wants to travel, oil money travels just as easily as tech money does. But oil oil money is not paying $540. Oil money is paying like six grand or 12 grand or right. 48 grand and, and getting like great seats. Premium seats. Yeah, they're not going to be sitting in section 992. I really do think we're going to have a grip on this game around halftime. I think you'll know whether... 49ers are in very, very little trouble today or in a degree of trouble today. And even as Seattle rolled into the locker room with the lead, I never really thought the Niners are in trouble. My mind did start to go to, if they were to spit the bit this afternoon, this is the first half the Seahawks needed to have, but I don't think they're going to spit the bit. I'm now, I'm now though in like a bad place for me mentally in that I'm thinking that the coin flip matters just because if Kyle you can wants defer, that wraparound. Yeah. Well, they all want the wraparound now. I mean, if let's say if Dallas scores late in the half and they're up 17, 13 or 13, 10, whatever, and then get the ball back to start the second half, that's when stuff can turn because all of a sudden now it could be a 14 point swing in five minutes. But, when I start worrying about what the coin flip's going to be, it means I need to lie down. And in fact, I'm thinking about doing that in about 10 minutes. Yeah, we will lay you down. Yeah. We'll lay your burdens in down. In front right? of a bus. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the slightly odd 300 club that Brock Purdy has a chance to join this weekend. First of all, if Brock Purdy throws for 300 yards this weekend, the 49ers are in the NFC title game. Agreed? No. Only because if he has to throw that much, maybe the 49ers are in a, are they're in, they're in a pie fight rather than... The, what they want to be is where Brock Purdy's throwing for 210 yards and throwing the ball 23 times. Sure. I mean, look, we're, if he's Kyle got to really for, wants to be is 45 runs, 10 passes. Yeah, That's if, where you... <laughs> if, 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 if Brock Purdy has to go for 300, there's a greater chance that Dallas is scoring too. So I think just the opposite. Right, but 300 could also mean plays popped. You know, the 40 it could. punches in bunches, if you will. It could, but again, I think Kyle Shanahan's dream game is the Green Bay the Green Bay game where they ran when they threw the ball eight times. No doubt. He would take that all day long every day. No doubt. Uh with 300 or more passing yards on Sunday, Brock Purdy would become only uh, the only 49ers quarterback in franchise postseason history with back-to-back 300 plus passing yards in a single postseason. He would become the first quarterback in the NFL to do it since the merger. Purdy would also become the fifth quarterback in NFL history to pass for 300 or more yards in consecutive in each of his first two postseason games. Would you like to now hear the weirdest list you're ever going to hear in terms of 300 passing yard games that you would think, well, all these guys must be total studs? Not quite. Matthew Stafford, he's a stud. Matt Hasselbeck does not ping on the stud radar. Mark Bolger not pinging on that stud radar. And then Dan Founts, who does. But that is a weird club of early 
300 game success in a career. Purdy's four total touchdowns last week made him the first rookie quarterback to account for four total touchdowns in a uh, postseason game. And again, another one of those that doesn't make much sense. With three or more touchdown passes this week, Purdy would become the second quarterback in NFL postseason history to pass for three or more touchdowns in each of his first two playoff games, the other one being Scott Bruner of the New York Giants. Would he play in the 60s, 70s? No, no, it was like the 80s. Was the eight before, must have been pre-Phil. Yeah, I, I'm trying to... Uh, Pre-Phil or post... Yeah, it, it, I can't pinpoint the year, but I don't remember him quarterbacking since Phil Simms, so I think it had to be before. Probably It was probably pre-Parcells. I guess is what I'm trying to say. If Purdy were to throw three more touchdowns this weekend, that would give him six touchdown passes this postseason, matching the most by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. And that guy was Mark Sanchez. There is an awful lot of odd quarterbacking. I don't. We're not calling them records, but a lot of odd quarterbacking milestones attached to odd quarterbacks pulling them off in the postseason so maybe that's an advantage maybe that's an advantage you get well i i, I hear you. i i believe i heard you type the word bruner into the yes uh, you search did engine. um you yeah it was it was pre pre-fill yeah it was I, I don't feel 82 bad it. it was a strike year in fact all right so i'm seven years old i feel good about it yeah not knowing that but um well the thing about 300 yard games especially in january it's more often than not an indication that your team's behind because there was a far greater chance of the weather being bad, and in bad weather, you want to you want to be conservative. You want to keep the ball on the ground, and if you're behind, you've got to throw like crazy to get back in it. So, I could see why the 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 quarterback list is is that erratic. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.